Hello everyone, it's Artem, and today I'm joined by Kaylee Weiss. Kaylee Weiss, founder of Meldine, is an endless creator, visual branding educator, entrepreneur, and public speaker. She spent her entire career helping creatives find their visual voice. Meldine is a luxury branding and paper goods company focused on designing unique touch points throughout the wedding experience. Label by Meldine provides resources and services to help event professionals and creatives find their brand voice and visually share their company's uniqueness. Kaylee, welcome. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so glad we've been doing our, we were planning on this and this has been the highlight of my week. Excellent. Uh, let's make it the highlight of the year. Yes, uh, I agree. We, we shoot for the stars <laughs> I, around here. I have been speaking for a very long time and educating and I've never once had uh, the opportunity to have some more personal conversations. And so I think this is such a brilliant concept that I think uh, the listeners will really enjoy getting to know pros in the industry a little bit more. Excellent. So now the pressure's on, on both of us, but more so on you. You got to deliver <laughs> with some solid stories. Now, just to make sure, and I know you get this a lot, it's Kaylee Weiss. How often do you get Weiss? Uh, probably 90% of the time. Got it. Or so the first name, because it's spelled like Raleigh, North Carolina, it's Collie sometimes, which I'm like, that seems a little far-fetched. Um, but if someone hears my name, Kaylee, they usually spell it K-A-Y-L-E-E, -E, which makes me think of like a high school cheerleader. So, but it's just Kaylee, K-A-L-E-I-D-H. <laughs> Got it. And it's let it be known, mark it down. It's Kaylee Weiss. Yes. And I'd like to say the background was really special, but my mom uh, used to cut hair and she had a client that she loved a lot who had a baby named it Kaylee, spelled the same way. And my mom was like, I love it so much. I'm going to do the same. <laughs> so it's not exactly like real meaningful. Uh, that's special enough. So you're named after someone close to your mom's child. Yes. Who's no longer in our circle. <laughs> or was only at a short period. I see. Okay, got it. Maybe they're listening. Who knows? That would be fantastic. Reach so, out. <laughs> so I want to talk about, uh, obviously, Meldine and Label by Meldine. So have you always thought to be an educator? Was that always the purpose? Or was that sort of just serendipitously something that occurred as you were building Meldine? Um, I think the timing of me getting into the wedding industry positioned, positioned me in a way that I've been able to be a leader. Um, so, I, so when I started Melby in the stationary business, I actually was branding creative businesses before then. And I got asked to brand a wedding in 2007. And at that time, it was pre-Pinterest. There wasn't a lot of personalization in the wedding world. And so having the opportunity to develop some really crazy out-of-the-box concepts out of you know, fabric and wood and leather and all those crazy materials really allowed me to be able to teach the people coming into the industry, you know, in the following years, what I, uh, what, how I can do what I do. Um, and so that kind of was the beginning of that and seeing uh, the holes in the industry in terms of event professionals being really great at their uh, craft, but terrible at marketing themselves, um, <laughs> allowed me to then step up and take all of my knowledge and expertise in this subject matter um, and share it with as many people as I can to make them, you know, be able to have a brand that reflects them when they're not there. Awesome. And you said something that kind of struck me a bit because I never really thought about it, but you and I started our businesses pre-Pinterest and that just feels like it's, yeah. uh, it was- I think it's like ago, a right? marker. 
it's a right. marker and now i even think like is pinterest even cool anymore i don't know i mean i think people use it and it's such a to me it's like always been there in so many ways and it's hard to remember that weddings weren't a reflection of someone's personality uh you know in years past right uh, yeah i think the personalization was always i guess prevalent but not to the extreme that we're doing now um, because I just think that's evolution. Like once you get used to something, you keep going. It's funny. It's it's kind of like the every social media platform is like the toy you play with when you're a kid, and then you get sick of it after like a week or two, and then it's yeah. just there. And so it's like, yeah, it's here. It's in the room. I'll get to it if I ever want to revisit it again. But we're always now as a society just looking for the next toy. Mm-hmm. I completely agree. That's a great analogy. Nice. So um, take us through what got you to Meldine in general. So you are growing up in, is it Nebraska? No, uh, I actually was born in Houston, Texas, just outside in Sugarland. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and my family moved to Omaha, Nebraska in 1997. Um, I was definitely a very entrepreneurial child. I actually, at one point, my mom uh, when I was in my 20s, she found a book that never got returned to the library. That was kids having their own businesses. And she was like, this is the epitome of like raising you. <laughs> and so <laughs> I always just thought like, how can I make money on this? Or how can I pay this kid to do that? But then the person actually pays me. And so um, they took me out of school when I was in third grade and homeschooled me and really nurtured um, the entrepreneurial side of uh, I guess my personality and interests. And so I went to college when I was 15, which is wild. People Whoa. are surprised by that. Yeah. And I wasn't like a brainchild. I just, I am very lucky to have parents that really nurtured my interests and um, really got me uh, a foundation of, you know, really having a life that fulfills me in ways that um, are really meaningful. So um, I was, like I said, when I went to college, I was, had already, I had a little iMac book and I was, branding people. I didn't even know that was a thing. And I was helping people do business cards. And it kind of just evolved from like, oh, you have a computer. Can you help me with this? And so when I was in college, they were like, so you, you can like have a degree in visual communications. And I was like, brilliant, I'll take that. <laughs> and so I, I kind of stumbled on the educational side of things. So I have always just been uh, kind of right brain, left brain in terms of like problem solving and also being really detailed in how I'm approaching design. And um, so when I was branding small creative businesses and we needed a name for Maldine, the name actually was Little Black Dress because I don't know why it was the least creative I could think of. <laughs> it was just like I needed a name and I just wanted to start. And so Maldine formally is a little black dress was a little black dress for about four months um, until my uh, a friend of mine who had partnered with me in many projects in uh, college was like, hey, whatever you're doing, I want to join you. How can I help? And I'm like, well, first we need a new name <laughs> because it needs to be better. And so um, we had actually been working on uh, a project in school, you know, at this point, a year or two prior, that was called Meldine. And it was essentially the idea of fusing ideas together to create something new. So meld is the uh, word fusion in in German. Um, So it's the active word of fusion. And so we had spun it up. Um, The logo we have is the original logo that Jessica hand drew uh, when we were in college. And I was like, I'll pay you for that. That sounds awesome. At first, people thought that it was uh, like a grandma's name or like some, like people were not into it. Um, And I'm like, just believe it's its own thing. It's its own name. And so I still love it to this day. I can't imagine. It seems timeless to me and unique and 
uh, the logo is memorable to see. And so I'm very proud of what it's become. And now, you know, over the years and years and years. Right, as you should be. So I think everyone's well aware of the, the quality that Meldine stands for. So bravo. Um, I do want you to realize that your entire story does sound like a Disney movie because you were in, <laughs> so like a like a cheesy Disney movie where you're in college at 15. Um, so people are like a Disney movie in the 90s. And hear me out. You're in college at 15. There's college kids coming to you going, you got to do this project for me. And <laughs> they're paying you. Um, you see how this all plays out. What was it be like being a 15-year-old in college amongst 18, 19, 20-year-olds? Um, I was definitely focused on the schooling specifically. Like I just, to me, it was like, I need to check this off my list. I want the knowledge. Uh, I want the hands-on experience. Um, and, at, you know, I was working at the same time doing design work while I was in college. And so for me, I did not have the traditional college, you know, like, let's go let's to school and then let's go party. I was right. living with my parents. And uh, to even add to your Disney story, I'm the oldest of six. And we were living in a fairly small house at the time. And my room was actually the cubby underneath the stairs going up to the next level. And so I had a little twin mattress. And, you know, it was a very uh, transitional time is how I would describe college. I It was a very transitional time just in terms of age and like finding it independence and uh you know taking that next step to make it whatever i wanted to make it okay so it was very much more entrepreneurial than the uh disney after class we're gonna go do shooters at the pod or whatever. <laughs> correct okay got it is that a that, i guess that's a disney right i'm not sure but that would be like a like a teen com romp um anyway uh if somebody did play kaylee weiss in a movie who would you take on the, the oh, biopic. My mother-in-law thinks I look like Catherine Zeta-Jones, which I don't see the resemblance. <laughs> and um, I don't know what actress do I or do I really enjoy. Well, I think the beauty of this, you get to pick whoever you want, regardless I of know. resemblance, right? Oh, it could be anyone then. I mean, do they have to resemble you? Like, if I somebody... will say people people like wouldn't recognize me if I didn't have long dark hair. Like, I think whenever I've had my hair, like, in a ponytail sometimes, people will just walk right back to me. So I think the the dark hair has to be necessary. So Got then it. I think, you know, then who are we looking for? Uh, I think Kate Beckinsale is beautiful. So why don't we say Kate Beckinsale? I'm for it. I like it. Kate Beckinsale, if she's listening, let's figure this out. Let's get this project going. Hopefully Meldine or Label by Meldine can produce a couple of films. Plus, she's like ageless, so she can probably pay, you know, play that teenage version of me just fine. She's who? <laughs> she's pretty much ageless. Like she's oh. not. She's not really aged. No, no, yeah, she's uh, she's looking good. She's definitely on uh, she's on my good side. She looks good. <laughs> Take me through the childhood that led up to getting into college at fifteen. So you are, are you skipping grades? Like you're, you're in elementary school, then what happens? How does that transpire? Yeah. So um, I couldn't tell you the exact numbers, but every state's a little bit different. So once I started homeschooling, I knew I needed to complete X number of lessons of each class to like 
essentially move on to the next one. So once I figured out that and those numbers, um, you know, being the oldest of six at the time, I think my mom was only schooling a couple of the other children, but I was obviously very dedicated in terms of like, well, why would I do just this when I could do double it and then I could get here. And so for me, it was more of like a math that I was solving in many ways but I actually it's funny because I was talking to my mom the other day and she was like well you weren't really one to like sit and watch tv I mean you would like you know put together skits or do creative like projects or wanted to want to work on something um but I think I always was on the move and I think I still am just gassed down which is good and bad for my health <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, I think we can all relate to that. Anybody who's an entrepreneur or anybody in general who's not one to sit around, I think um, there's the pros and cons of it. I think sometimes every now and then it, it is good to sit down, but I'm sure most of us don't like to do so. So what brought you to Austin? So growing up, I have an aunt who's like my mother who lives in Round Rock, which is about 30 minutes north of Austin. And so growing up, I would come here and visit her. And there was a certain feeling every time I left, it was, I can't wait to come back or I wonder when I can come back. Um, and honestly, that feeling still never went away. I still, when I leave and I travel a lot, you know, whenever I leave, I'm like, I'm so glad I can come back here. Um, so I feel like as long as I have that feeling, I will obviously keep roots here. Um, but for me, we've now, you know, it's been, I I was pretty much as soon as I was able to, and I was able to move my business, um, it made sense to me. I was living in Omaha, Nebraska when I started Meldine, and just in terms of the type of product that we were working with was much more global, um, and that local economy didn't really support my ideas or wanting to you know, spend that kind of money on the products we were producing. And so by changing and moving to Austin, Austin's so transient, you know, we're a two and a half hour flight from LA, two and a half hour flight from New York, um, and we work with now planners and couples all over the world. And so once I made that transition and knowing that that was that next step in the business, um, I've kind of never looked back. I love it here. So it made sense professionally and personally. Correct. Yeah. Now that it, Austin, Austin's just a weird city in general. It's, you know, the slogans keep Austin weird. Okay. And uh, one of the things that I love about that is mostly just everyone is free to be whoever they are. And so you'll be just walking down the street and you'll see someone who is like in dreads and torn off shorts, like having lunch with someone in a suit and their BFS. And I think, you know, the community is very much like we want to support you with whoever you are and you know whatever your ideas are and so it's super collaborative so being in this environment you know you could just go have a drink at a bar and you're making a friend next to you who's like hey how can I help you who do you want to be connected with and I think it's a gift to live in an environment like that awesome so going off of that what is your like quintessentially Austin favorite thing to do I love boating we, there's seven lakes uh, around Austin, and so we're in a boat uh, country club, and so we sometimes, say, you know, you can sail, you can wake surf, you can pontoon, depending on what we're in the mood for, but we always take the dogs out with us, um, and then, of course, uh, queso and margaritas. I mean, you could eat chips and some kind of dip every single day of the week here and not get bored. <laughs> Got it. Tell me about the, you mentioned the two dogs. Tell me about your, your guys. Yes, so I have uh, Jack and Charlie, and they're both adopted, and um, my husband has two siblings that are deaf, and so when we bought our first house uh, back in 2009, 
um, my husband was going to college and I was like, okay, it's time to get a dog. <laughs> You're gone a lot. And mm-hmm. it was something that I had been wanting. And um, because the siblings are deaf, we wanted to get a dog that we could teach um, some hand signals to. And so we ran across what would be a rat terrier. And so rat terriers are popular in the deaf community because they're very sensitive to body language um, and they have a really high knowledge of vocabulary. And so we had found this 10 week old puppy on Craigslist. A family was getting rid of him because uh, his uh, one of the dogs that they had, I guess, was pregnant with puppies. Long story short, I showed up to see the dog that was just, you know, EEA, small, tiny, tiny little puppy. And Mm -hmm. um, they were throwing him into, the kids were throwing him into an above ground swimming pool, like a football. And I was like, I'll take him now. (laughs) I paid paid $50 for him. And uh, we thought he was all rat terrier. And then he kept getting taller and taller. And he's still a little guy, but he's uh, definitely got a whippet. So he's very skinny waist. Um. And he has learned all the signs. So he knows eat, sit, stay, walk um, in sign. So it's pretty beautiful to see him interact. And he's very, he knows certain shoes go for, for certain places. And he's very specific about the details of our home, for sure. Um, and like then Charlie, it. and then Charlie, the other one, we never thought we'd have two. And we vacation um, over Thanksgiving weekend, always in Puerto Aransas, Texas, which is a little island uh, in the Gulf. And uh, we drive in. The first thing we always do is go to Dairy Queen because it's usually the only thing open. And there was a stray, and there was a stray in the parking lot. And uh, he, we have a, min, we have had multiple Mini Coopers over the years. We were in a Mini Cooper, and he got on his back legs and looked in for food. Uh, speaking of, <laughs> you can hear them in the background. Yeah, um, a little bit. They, they know you're talking about them. Yes, exactly. Uh, but they looked in the, he looked in the window and my husband was like, I think he looked into my soul. We need to take him. And so um, we had actually pulled over, got, tried to get out. He ran away. Uh, and uh, that was Thanksgiving weekend. And then we, he got away from us. We never saw him again. And uh, we talked to the Humane Society and we're like, we're looking for this dog, like very specific. If you get him, he's obviously a stray. Um, and we got a call somewhere around the 20th of December that they had gotten him. And so uh, we picked him up on the 24th of December and uh, brought him home. So he's been with us for several years now and they didn't get along for quite a while, but they both have pretty special adoption stories to say the least. <laughs> yeah. What is the protocol on you find a stray, you obviously need to make sure that they're okay. They're, they're obviously not infected with anything. Like what is, how does that work? I've never done that. Yeah. So um, come to find out, they have to keep them like two weeks to make sure no one claims them. Mm. So he didn't have a, obviously a little code and he was pretty bony. He's a, um, an Italian greyhound. So he's like the miniature greyhound version okay. mixed with, we think, you know, some other kind of mutt terrier likely, um, mm. but probably a men pen is what we think. But he um, essentially they have to hold them. And then during that time, they vaccinated him uh, and neutered him before we picked him up. Um, but the problem with that was, is he obviously had been with someone else prior and so they over vaccinated him and he had a lot of reactions to that. Um, so his little immune system is pretty poor for the most mm. part. They thought he was about one when we got him. He's a lover. He's not very smart. <laughs> so he's almost opposite of our other one. But uh, yeah, there's just a process where I think they can test for them like a little bit of what maybe is in their system. And then they go ahead and do the vaccinations and get them up to date you know by the time you pick them up i see now do they get along as we speak or is it day by day 
Uh, they don't like spoon, but they <laughs> they definitely hang out now. I mean, I would say it probably took 18 months for them to even sit on the same piece of furniture at the same time. And Whoa. then uh, I think in the year, I think it maybe was four years that they finally now like if one's outside and the other one's inside and the outside one wants to come in, the inside one will initiate trying to get a hold of us to like, you know, have that like interaction. So they obviously watch out for each other for much more now, but they're not like hanging out, you know, lounging together on, you right. know, touching. They don't like to touch. <laughs> no chips and queso for them together. No chips. Yeah. No, yeah. They're not going on their own little puppy date. <laughs> I see. But that's good. But at least they acknowledge where they are they acknowledge who the the fact is like who the uh, people in the room are and and they're comfortable enough with you guys yeah yeah they're great they're both great dogs we i I can't imagine not having them in in my home it adds a lot of love and joy and laughter that's for sure that's beautiful i like it now to hop back to kaylee take us back take us back to little kaylee pre-college which at this point is like elementary school for most people so you are lounging you're uh you're enjoying life you're watching we sing we sing yes we yeah. sing in sillyville yes what, what the we hell was that? that you need to it's, take uh, me a little bit deeper into that yes and i actually have no idea how my mom would have i gotten it and i i don't know if it came through like she wanted us to have like mu- this was her music lessons as part of like the homeschooling component so it's a series we sing w-e-e-s-i-n-g and it is like the most awkward and weird uh dressed up characters like think like barney style but like a room full of them and they're singing and like educating about music and so at the time I was putting together a lot of like little skits. I was uh, being the demanding older sister, making my younger siblings act out and recording them and putting it, putting together programs. And so We Sing was my inspiration. I mean, we really got a lot of, you know, exciting uh, skit ideas. And it does sound like a DVD or a, a, uh, I guess at that oh, point, it's a VHS. A, a VHS. It sounds like a VHS that was taken from the library and also not returned, like much like the book. <laughs> Very and true. I guess the benefit of having a lot of siblings outside of, you know, the love and compassion, it's the fact that you have a full cast for uh, your play. Correct. Right? Good. good. Is, <laughs> yeah, is I mean, family, the list goes on. Yeah. All, all the benefits. Um, oh, well, no, the list goes on of all of the skits that we did. I actually, oh. ironically, I'm sitting here at my desk and I have two that my mom found of like from the video recorder that has been never seen footage. So I'll someday try to figure out it out. And let's just say one of the skits is working out with Jordan Wiggles. My brother's name is Jordan. Wiggles is his foe's last name. <laughs> That, that is. <laughs> Which sounds, it sounds amazing. So coming yeah. soon, it's going to be about some behind the scenes footage of my childhood at some point. So I'm going to throw an idea out there and I, and I hope you can make this happen. Maybe we can do like a petition with the listeners. I'm aware of the fact that Austin has a drive-in movie theater, correct? Yes. The Starlight. Yes. So I think that this needs to premiere <laughs> drive-in movie theater. Well, that would be amazing. Yeah. And then actually... So you actually can do a custom showing there. I've never been there during that, but it is an option. So let me see what I can do. I will, let's get the, I, I mean, not necessarily for my work, but I think it'd be a great idea to bring everyone together. Yeah, no, no. You got to give the people what they want. I think we need to see this. And I am intrigued about Jordan Wiggles and the, the rest of the gang. I like how, so Jordan got top billing. Did the other siblings get in it to get their own 
video. Yeah, they have their own series. Yeah, you know, they all have their own series. Wow. Yeah. Oh, no, there was a, a, we actually did run across that one. So they're at, I guess this would have been like early 90s, probably, of the big comfy couch, which was on PBS. Okay. And uh, it's this clown character who's on this giant couch. And I would make my sister play the the clown character on my couch, <laughs> but in her own name. You know, I was just, I was mirroring what I was saying. <laughs> I see. So it was like your rendition of it. Yes, correct. <laughs> I love it. So, so ready to get into the hard hitting stuff? Oh, uh, maybe. So you are obviously a very, <laughs> you're a very creative, passionate person. Uh, you talked about you, you and I have spoken previously. And when we get together, we talked about your different interests and there's a lot of them. And obviously you've spoke about earlier the fact that you are not one to just sit around and sit on the couch and not do anything. So you always have a passion project, a side project and something that's keeping you busy outside of Meldine and labeled by Meldine who do actually keep you very busy as is. Uh, one thing that you've shared with me is that you love creating new recipes and you create a new recipe for almost every meal. I'm going to call you out on that. That's over like a thousand meals a year. Yeah, I would, I would, I, and that probably is the case. I don't have a good way of keeping track of them, but wow. I usually am like, uh, like yesterday I thought, oh, I really want to do like a curry something. And so I'll research like curry options and then I'll determine like, oh, I have a butternut squash. Okay. Let's like use this idea together and then adapt the recipe. So I absolutely am like, I'm a library goer and I will like hand handfuls of cookbooks just for inspiration um there is no shortage of recipes and i would say i'm pretty much open to every genre in terms of cooking style i make a, a really mean great chinese era like kind of style like anything asian i do awesome i think i'm awesome at um but i i find it to be a challenge uh it's also a place of creativity for me it's also like when you're cooking it's kind of like that's what you're focusing on um so for me it's a great kind of meditation space that's actually then giving me something at the end that's pretty exciting so are we talking like three meals a day uh i don't do breakfast ever uh lunch i go through phases i will say i will I kind of like today I had a lettuce and then I made some tuna salad and then I had some like carrots and cucumbers that were left over. So kind of it's more makeshift. Dinner's really, you know, the, the star. <laughs> I, I, will, I will be thinking about what I'm making two nights from now while I'm eating dinner the two days prior. And I think it's like, I also love experiences and I love new experiences and to me food and drinks are a way to have a new experience in a really affordable, approachable way. And so it's like I'm able to create that interesting combination and try something different every single day. Wow. Okay. That's impressive. And, and I'm speaking as a man who eats the same breakfast probably for the last 15 years or so. <laughs> so no I can't imagine. No breakfast but at I all. Also, I also eat when I'm not hungry. Like I'm not, I definitely don't eat because I'm like, like this is not my personality so if I'm not into what I'm eating like I'm just not into it and I won't eat it <laughs> that makes sense okay so are you health conscious in your preparations or is it more like what can I experiment with and how will this taste with that pairing sort of thing or are you like what's your number one priority when you're when you're cooking is it health consciousness is it deliciousness is it all of the above <laughs> how, how does that go I think different flavor profiles 
together, like trying new flavor profiles together. Like it would, it's interesting if you were doing a curry and then if this recipe calls for like added pineapple, you're like, whoa, that's not expected together, but I want to see what that's going to taste like. So for me, it's more about flavor profile, I think. Um, but I will say I try to remain mostly gluten-free, dairy-free, sugar-free. And so that does put some boundaries around what I'm making, but there's so many sure. great alternatives. And, you know, having a diet like that and trying to eat out is very challenging. Um, but at home, it's like the options truly are unlimited in terms of doing, you know, alternatives and things like that. Wow. Okay. So in terms of the, like you said, the pairings, does wine come into play too? Because that's obviously a big wine thing where you're pairing it with the, the taste of the meal itself. Yeah. So I definitely will create menus based on what wine that I have or that I've tried. Um, wow. I definitely have a pile of wine books to reference in terms of like, okay, what's going to pair with this or this or this. Um, now that's not like a nightly thing for sure, um, <laughs> but it is something that I look forward to. And it's something that I enjoy having multiple bottles open at the same time to like try the wine with the flavor profile and kind of do a conversation. So my husband, I'm sure gets tired of being like, so how do you feel about this? Are you getting those apple nuts? Or are you getting more raspberry? <laughs> That's our dinner conversation. <laughs> wow. So you're essentially sort of like a uh, DIY sommelier right now? Yes. And I have big dreams, or at least personal goals. So okay. Uh, we got to go into that. Yeah. So I, I definitely would consider myself like a hobbyist for sure when it comes to wine and I definitely enjoy it and I feel like I love having conversations about it um so I think you know the last uh I guess later on in my career now it's like I really want to make sure that I'm challenging myself in new ways that are outside of the work that I do every day uh, for mental mental reasons and for lots of other kind of sure. creative breaks um, and just knowing how much I enjoy wine and I love talking about it, I always am wanting to learn more and do more. And so my, one of my own personal goals is to get like my level one psalm, which really I, I have no reason to have that except for, I feel like it would be a pretty, it would kind of put the, uh, you know, bow on the knowledge if, you know, to really know that in me feel confident that I know what I'm talking about when I'm, you know, discussing wine. Yeah, totally. How many levels are there? You said level one. I think there's three levels. Okay. But it's very, it is a very challenging test for sure. And level oh, yeah. one is more about um, tasting and identifying like what the grape is. So it's more about palate. But then for number some two is actually more about service. And so you're mm -hmm. actually tested on like how you're pouring the bottle and like how you're opening it and all like the more technical skills um, in terms of like or even asking, let's say if you were a wait, a wait, like a waiter, how would you force like ask what someone wants and then deliver a bottle like that whole process. And then from what I've heard, if there's actually a documentary called Psalm, uh, and it's essentially at the highest level, you have to identify like what row in the vineyard the grape was from in that bottle. So like, Whoa. I mean, like there's not very many in the world Do that have a master sommelier. Do they really track that? Like, how are they going to know if you're right or wrong from which row think, of the know, grape wine it came? Yeah, I think uh, that's an interesting concept because for me, wine is also about the makers. And as I've gotten to know a couple of vintners, it's really interesting because they do track that kind of stuff on the more boutique level. So if you are a small uh, batch kind of, you know, vineyard, you're going to be handling things much different than, you know, the two buck chucks you buy at Trader Joe's. <laughs> really, they're not tracking where those grapes are coming from or potentially what may be in them. 
as well. <laughs> so, you know, I think on the high level, a, high a higher end bottle of wine is going to have a lot more detail and documentation as to, you know, what side of the property uh, the grape was actually grown. I love it. So is there a Kaylee Weiss wine down the road somewhere? You can have your own winery and put them out like the, uh, you'd be I like a rapper. In the past, I have killed most plants that I've ever tried to grow. Okay. Um, I, I do experiment right now. I do have some broccoli and I have like some other things going. I find it kind of fun to eat your own, you know, produce. Um, yeah. but I don't, I, I don't, th I think it would stress me out more than enjoy it. But I do think I've never done one of those classes where you can like, um, essentially work with a vineyard and kind of do your own blends and you determine how long it sits in the barrel. I think that would be definitely something to add to my list. That would be a, a fun experience. Okay. So I'd like to see that down the road. Some, some Kaylee Weiss, uh, was it Chateau de Weiss? Yes. That sounds okay. elegant. <laughs> Excellent. I like it. Um, I know a, I've done some work with a Maitre Vin du Bordeaux. I think he's one of nine in the world. If I pronounce that or got half of that right. Okay. So is it's that, that, yeah. Uh, I mean, he's a certified sommelier. He's got one of those like, um, no, he's got one of those like medallions yes. that he wears. It's very, to me, it's very like hip hop esque. I'm like, that's dope. It's like a Jesus piece, <laughs> but it's big and he's got, it's like, it's, it's a badge of honor, that medallion that he wears. Cause I think to your point, there's three levels, but they're all extremely difficult to get to. Yeah, definitely. And I think you have to be born with a certain level of palate, I think also like, yeah. and also attention to detail. And from what I've seen too, like, imagine having a bottle, you know, and then keeping a index card on all the tasting notes and then having that same bottle the next week. So you can remember what the tasting notes are. That's pretty intense stuff. And I will say I have not perfected the art of like spitting out the wine. So I can only keep my sessions to a a smaller minimum than, than most. <laughs> it feels so wasteful to spit it. I just can't. <laughs> yeah. I would wonder if the once they spit it, like you're talking about the, the tasters and like the wine clubs and everything, once they spit it out, uh, does it just get, I mean, I would imagine it gets tossed out, right? Yeah. I don't, I don't think anyone is drinking that. <laughs> that's true. I don't want any other option aside from having it tossed out. I hope that's not getting recycled back into uh, production. Yeah. I don't know if there's any sort of like, Maybe it could be like its own, um, you know, uh, like a, it's marinating the plants. What is that? Oh, you know, the, like a like it's a fertilizer. Yeah, it's like fertilizer. A fertilizer. Yeah, it's like a wine compost where it's just like <laughs> family lives on a you know, in Napa Valley somewhere in a vineyard and they they stock all their own stuff and they reuse everything. That'd be a weird uh, cult to be a part of. I, but, I would agree. That's but odd. Interesting, nonetheless. Um, so take me through, you are now in Austin, you travel everywhere. Yes, I do. And been, obviously you're, you're of course educating, that's the basis of why you travel often, but what's been the, the favorite place that you've traveled to, whether that's work related or personally? Yeah. So I, yeah, last, uh, the last few years I've traveled over 30, 30 different cities each year. Um, and you know, it's definitely coast to coast and I will be frank to say there are some cities I frankly don't remember, uh, mm -hmm. having on my list. Um, but there are, you know, a lot of times it is very quick when I am traveling. Um, uh, but I definitely think like the way I feel often is magic. I definitely look 
four other places that are magic. Um, I will say that the places that have really sparked things for me have been Banff, Canada, which is just phenomenal and so beautiful and has so much character. Um, I have been, I love Boston. And I feel like in Boston and Austin, I don't know if it's bad, but I have always felt like every time I've been in Boston, I'm like, I can't wait to come back. Like I want more lobster. I want to explore some of those little towns. Um, so I definitely, that's been a highlight for me. Um, I'm obsessed with Palm Springs. I think it's really interesting and uh, kind of unworldly in so many different levels <laughs> and like slow pace. Um, and then one of the weirdest places on a personal level is Marfa, Texas, and I'm obsessed with it. Yeah. I don't know if you've heard about it, but it's in the middle of nowhere. It's about a five-hour drive from Austin, or you can fly to um, El Paso and drive three hours. It literally has one stoplight. Uh, it's a sleepy little artist town. Um, there's Andy Warhol's there. There's some Jeff Koons. There's, there's some amazing art that rotates through there. I want to say there's like 19 art galleries. Uh, in this tiny, tiny, tiny town. And the restaurants are not like open from, you know, nine to 10. It's like when they're open, they're open and they'll leave the light on for you. Um, and so I've had some pretty incredible experiences stumbling in on concerts and uh, having fabulous meals and tasting great wine in some, you know, random backyard. And uh, that's a pretty magical place I recommend. <laughs> wow. Is there anything that's like alien related? Is that Marfa? Yes. Okay. That's correct. Yeah, right outside of Marfa, there are at night, uh, especially when there's no clouds. So if it's clear, um, there are these floating orbs that are about the size of a basketball that uh, move around. And it's very um, eerie, for sure. And there's, of course, lots of uh, speculation over the years as to what they are. Um, the most the most i guess tangible i've heard is uh where they actually are used to be an old army base or military base mm -hmm. um and so they were saying from chemical compounds from what used to be on that land is essentially working with the chemicals of the earth and creating from a distance some kind of spark uh, but they definitely float around and they merge between each other and they create shapes and they kind of dance uh, they've got a huge viewing area and people come from all over to see the phenomenon that they, I mean, you, you, you can see them. Mm, so <laughs> There's no, no missing them. Marfa aside, does Kaylee Weiss believe in alien activity? Um, I am open-minded about it. And I would say it's very likely. I would say. That's fair. I think, I think our, our world is just one small, tiny dot in the universe. And I think we have, to, I think it would be magical if there was like parallel universes or different things going on, I think would be pretty cool. Yeah, somewhere in another galaxy, there's a Kaylee with a K-A-Y-L-L-E uh, spelling. <laughs> they just, people keep getting confused. Yeah, yeah, and she, she does like, uh, uh, what's the opposite of stationary? I think maybe I'm a chef. Okay, that's, that's fair. Right? Yeah, yeah, no, that could be good. She's a chef. she's already a sommelier, but she wants to learn about branding and visual design. Yes, I like that. <laughs> um, take me a little bit about through your other passions. I know fashion is is a big one. Yeah, so um, I have notebooks and notebooks. Actually, when I was probably in my teens, I thought I was going to get into fashion. I was moving to New York. Um, I have a sewing machine. I loved it, um, and I think I realized more from a 
I guess the business side of my brain was like, I'm never going to make the money that I want to doing that in a way that I feel that fulfilled uh, to execute it. And so um, I still love, uh, I call myself a bit of a chameleon in the way that I dress. Um, I find it kind of a fun challenging challenge, adapting what I'm wearing to fit what the circumstances are. Um, and so, or the places that I'm going. And so my closet is quite um, crazy. <laughs> In terms of there's no defined style, I would say. So it's purely dressing by mood, place you're going to be, mm-hmm. setting. Exactly. Do you and so I figured or... out a way. So if I, for my speaking engagements, I can actually write off those clothes. So it's a great opportunity to be like, well, I'm going to St. Louis, Missouri. What am I going <laughs> to, what am I wearing? <laughs> yeah. For whatever reason, like Gucci seems to go with St. Louis, Missouri. Let's write that off. But I actually am like very, um, I'm very eclectic. I'm very, very high low. So like to me, price doesn't matter. I am all about thrifting and like used clothes. Um, I have a lot of hand-me-downs from my aunts. Uh, I also like the shirt I'm wearing right now is from a uh, coffee shop that's here in Austin. That's just like your basic cotton tea. Um, and, you know, my pants, I think I actually got from a thrift store that's in town that it, everything is purchased by the pound. So if you can imagine clothes, like you pay like 45 cents for like a handful of clothes. And I'm pretty sure I got those there. So, but I also like love designer things. I appreciate um, high end. I just bought a YSL bag that I'm obsessed with. That would be, you know, the cost of a lot of things in my closet <laughs> altogether. Um, yeah. But I think to me, it's more about craftsmanship, and um, you know, I enjoy pairing those things together. So that actually brings up a pretty good dynamic that you have already, sort of, I guess, mentally in the way you present yourself, because there is, from like what I'm gathering and the way that I've chosen to focus on my business there's the concept of mass luxury and connoisseur luxury. And so mass luxury, there's always obviously, it's something that is luxurious, but available to the masses. And connoisseur luxury is all that much more luxurious because it's very unique and created specifically for the individual. So you Mm -hmm. sort of blend that together where you have the YSL bag, but it's also paired with thrift shop jeans. Exactly. But I also think those thrift shop jeans are a luxury because they're one of a kind at that point. Like you don't know what the era or the decade or like they kind of are history list, but in a way that's like that much more meaningful and one of a kind that actually would have maybe that much more value. Okay. (laughs) I like it. So now that you're in Austin, we talked about the quintessentially Austin things to do. I'm assuming you love being there. You love Texas. It's, is it, properly represented in culture as far as just Texas as a whole, the whole don't mess with Texas and we do things big? I would say no. I mean, I think if you're anywhere, I mean, when I think of the cities that I enjoy, you know, are going to be the bigger cities. So Dallas and Houston are obviously much more metropolitan in many ways. Mm -hmm. I mean, and you're going to probably get a stronger accent in both of those places. Um, but for the most part, you know, when you think of cowboy hats, like you're not, yes, you will in Austin, but it's because it's hipsters. Exactly. Um, but I think, you know, you're not gonna, you're not gonna see that draw on that handlebar mustache, uh, unless you get out into the more rural areas, um, for the most part. But I mean, it is a huge state and, you know, just driving all the way across it to get out of here, 
um, when I was going to my family in Omaha, you know, we're probably driving for eight or nine hours before we even hit the border. So it's wow. a very vast place to explore. And um, I really not, I've really done it a disservice in terms of there's some incredible uh, waterfalls and, uh, you know, Big Bend and these amazing places that are so different in terrain, um, but they're all in the same state. It's pretty, pretty wild. Yeah, it's a very big state. Have you ever watched King of the Hill? Uh, I haven't in years, years and years. So it I'm was, not familiar with any references necessarily. No, no. I I was just going to say, I believe it was voted like by Texas residents as the most accurate representation of what it's actually going <laughs> to live like in Texas. That makes me curious. Now I need to go watch a couple trailers. You should check it out. Yeah, it is actually a very quality show on top of the fact that it, I guess it depicts Texas pretty accurately. So are you ready for a quick lightning round? And we're just going to okay. go through a couple of questions and you're going to essentially pick one or the other. I'm just going to give you this or that option. You're going to pick one or the other and just go with your gut feeling. Don't spend too much time thinking about it. Sound good? Okay. I'm, 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 I'm sitting down. <laughs> okay. No, this is all personal preference based. Okay. All right. Tupac or Biggie? Biggie. Beatles or Rolling Stones? Beatles. Belle Bib DeVoe or Boys to Men? Voicemen. NSYNC or Backstreet Boys? NSYNC for sure. <laughs> John Amos or John Stamos? Uh, John Stamos. Porsche or Porsche? Porsche. Friends or Frasier? Friends. Necktie or Bowtie? Bowtie. Boutonniere or Pocket Square? Pocket Square. Great. Take me back to NSYNC as a definitive. <laughs> I just during that era I was very passionate and pro instinct and really did not listen to much of the Backstreet Boys but I did have like all the instinct CDs for sure sure what about 98 degrees or were they just like a throwaway they were okay yeah instinct was for sure more my jam I'm and gonna I ask loved a question. they had amazing music videos it was always just phenomenal they did how creative they were they were very creative. I'm going to ask you a question that may seem silly, but I don't know what your personal take is. Who is your favorite member? Definitely JP. Okay. I figured it would be Justin. <laughs> I feel like it was weird. I mean, I wasn't really attracted to the curly hair, but I, he definitely stood out as like the talent. To find the curly hair, are you talking about the ramen noodle-esque blonde? Yeah, when he had the like very crazy hair. <laughs> Where he's in the, it's the going to be... Yeah, the it's going to be May yeah. means. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I liked when he had cornrows. For a while, Justin Timberlake was kind of living out 11-year-old Artem's dreams. Like he was dating <laughs> Spears. He had cornrows. He was wearing all denim. <laughs> the all denim. And just maybe that shouldn't go out of style. I don't know. I feel like it, you could rock it that in Austin, right? I, anything goes in Austin. It's I mean, very cyclical. I find fashion to be very cyclical. I'm waiting for the early 2000s. Uh, maybe not the everything is five times baggier than it should be, like the the triple XL t-shirt. Oh, I had a pair. I had a pair of Jinko jeans though yeah. that I wish that I never had gotten rid of them because they're imprinted in my brain with these fabulous embroidered flowers on them. That I wish. I would probably, I would not fit into them anymore, but I would have still held them on as a keepsake. Yeah. What happened to them? I don't know. I wish I would have known because I loved those. So 
that's a call to mom, I think. Because if she hangs on to... She probably got rid of them. Oh, yeah. I'm saying VHS tapes <laughs> of, uh, of Jordan we Wiggles. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, maybe it's archived. Maybe you're wearing them in any of the videos. Or Were you in any of the videos, or were you just purely the director? Oh, no, I, I was there, and I dressed for them also. Depending on, again, what the circumstance was, you know, where we were acting and needing to be. Are you still writing? Do you do you still write plays or any kind of? Uh, no, I mean no, and I can't say I have done anything like that in terms of written. I do journal, <clears throat> like daily okay. I journal, um, right. but it's more about tracking tracking my mood or you know noting like my highlights of the day or things I wish would have been different or um, you know the things that I'm grateful for. It's less about storytelling. So it might be something I should pick up again because obviously it's in the in my uh dna yeah i would like a like a full-blown engage drama set on stage <laughs> where like everybody gets a, i don't know if everybody should get a part because i feel like i am not cut out for acting um take me through i know you have a big passion and love for banksy how did that occur and, and what are you up to now with, with that are you collecting numerous pieces because he's, yeah, so have... he's a pretty elusive dude or yeah, i don't so know what he is yeah, I think um, I love that he does things differently. Um, mm -hmm. One of the words that comes to mind recently has been divergent thinking, like thinking differently, like taking your circumstance and like continuing to think about new, fresh ideas. And um, I think as an artist, what you would think of, he doesn't fit that mold. And I find that to be really appealing. Um, I also love the elusiveness of him not wanting the attention, or maybe he does. It's kind of a weird, twisted thing. Yeah. Um, but I love seeing his, you know, it's not about the political statements he makes necessarily, but it's like his thoughts come with a level of depth and execution in terms of materials, placement, location, um, that sends a statement that's more than the reaction of like, oh, I like that or that's pretty. There's a level of depth there that I think as another artist, you know, as I can appreciate the amount of thought process and execution, it's not like, oh, I sat down and drew this up in an hour and, you know, now I'm reselling it. Um, right. So for me, I have, um, I have a print in our house that is um, the original graffiti, it's a photo of the graffiti that is of him throwing, uh, throwing the bouquet, but he is wearing the mask. So mm. um, it's giant and something I like to just think of and when I think of it again it's more about when I see it it reminds me of the divergent thinking you know really thinking differently in terms of uh just calling yourself an artist yeah absolutely I would like to in the future from you see wedding invitations that I guess just explode once the wedding is over or, or <laughs> shred I mean that, that seems was... dangerous or a liability really but I have done some confetti ones and some oh. other ones that have like adapted once they've been opened so that's possible but explosives cool. i should probably keep out of stationary <laughs> for the foreseeable future <laughs> so on that note so far obviously you've got a, a very long career ahead of you but thus far what has been the i'm not going to say crowning achievement because obviously there's so many different things that you could uh, put into play on that because of the many facets of what you do but what has been like the proudest moment thus far of, of your business I think it's tough for me to answer because I'm a bit, I have a bit of imposter syndrome. So I'm like, you know, like, okay, was that it? You know, like maybe that wasn't good enough or so sure. forth. Um, I think, you know, 
I still am rewarded. The work that we do at Melvin, everything is unique. So similar to my cooking style and my fashion, it's like I want to create something new every time. And I think, you know, I do get that that butterfly and that excited feeling when we have been developing a concept or even working with a brand. We've been developing a brand and then seeing it in a tangible way is incredibly rewarding every time we do that because it's being, re, you know, it's a new thought that then becomes tangible. Um, and so I think that's pretty darn special in a lot of a lot of ways. And I think, you know, I try to remind myself when I am um, on a platform to be able to educate to our industry, you know, that's a really special opportunity that a lot of people would like to have that don't have. And I definitely don't take that for granted. Awesome. Yeah. It's very hard to pinpoint a single individual achievement. So I totally understand. I'm definitely the one to chase the carrot. (laughs) You know, it's like, I'm hard setting goals. It's like, I really do want to live a present life where I'm appreciating the little things. Um, but of course, it's like, you know, one day I hope to write a book and one day I hope to do certain things. But it's kind of like as soon as I do those things, I replace them with the next thing I want to work on, you know. Yeah, I would think that's normal, right? That's just the, the mind of an achiever because I feel like once you get to a point, you go, great. And don't get me wrong, you celebrate the, the steps, right? And you enjoy the journey and you celebrate the small victories. But then you probably look back and go, okay, well, next. <laughs> like, I have to keep yeah. going. And not not to make this like dark a little bit, but it is interesting because I'm not a very emotional person, but since I was a child, I definitely am. Like if I watch an award show and someone gets an award, I have this very triggering emotion as to like me seeing them at like, will this be the top of their career? And Mm -hmm. I think then in that way, I've almost guarded myself from having that experience that then will go down, if that makes sense. Like having that peak that I think it's like a, I don't want to have the peak. I want to continue to like push myself and do different things. And yeah. Well, in that case, it's good that you don't watch sports because that's a thing. Yeah. Okay. Seems like a yo-yo situation. An emotional yo-yo. Got it. Okay. Listen, we're all, uh, as long as we're self-aware, I think we're all very different, but as long as we're aware of ourselves and our emotions and where they take us, that's the most important thing. So to wrap up, the last minute or two are yours. Please tell us what you want us to know about you, what you want our listeners to take away from, what you have coming up. Uh, You don't have to take us through every single city, but uh, also tell us how the listeners can find you. And if they can get in touch with you. So my heart right now is to dedicate my knowledge to sharing as much as possible in our industry. Um, You can find me at KayleeWeiss.com. It's the best hub. Um, K-A-L-E-I-G-H-W-I-E-S-E, which I'm sure he'll have in the show notes. Um, And really, I think if you just want to like share your logo with uh, with me and I'm happy to give you input um, or do more immersive design work, that just really fulfills me. Um, You can hopefully find me in a city near you um, in the future, I definitely love traveling and I love connecting with different markets. It's always amazing to me to see how much of, uh, the country, we're all the same in this industry, but we all have our differences. And I find that really, uh, beautiful to own. Um, and so, yeah, that is a little bit about what I'm working on. Um, you can find me depending on when you're listening and we'll probably be quickly adapting. So find me on, on Instagram or on social somewhere. I'm usually at go Kaylee. Wonderful. I like it. And with the uniqueness in the fashion, the cooking, the visual branding, and just everything that you do, I can safely say that was the one and only Kaylee Weeks.